Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we are here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. Whoa, do we have an incredible guest today. I'm super duper honored to have Jacqueline Small with us. She has an illustrious almost 50-year career dealing with just service, helping people on every possible level, spiritual, physical, emotional. She's truly an angel, and we're really glad she's here. Of course, she's an incredible author who has uh, written so many incredible books. We're going to be talking about her latest book, The Gnostic Mysteries. But first, I need you to do something for me. Go to bluecobracbd.com. That's bluecobracbd.com. And there you will find Blue Cobra CBD oil, the highest quality CBD oil that you can purchase currently. I'm very versed in all of the CBD products, and I wouldn't just say that without it actually being 100% accurate. What makes it so special is that it has a proprietary extraction method called the HIT extraction method that extracts the CBD from the hemp. It uses no chemicals, no solvents, no gases. It's a completely natural process and no other company has this extraction method. It's 100% organic and it is extracted from 100% organic, organ-grown hemp. It's absolutely amazing. It's incredibly beneficial for a variety of reasons. For me personally, it helps my general well-being. It helps my health. I notice there instantly when I take it raw because you can put it on your body. You can put it in your body And of course, we have a Midnight on Earth Blue Cobra CBD discount code, which is M-I-D-C-B-D. That's M-I-D-C-B-D. And what that does is that gets you free shipping when you place any order, one bottle, two bottles, a hundred bottles, it doesn't matter. You get free shipping to the lower 48 states, the continental 48 states, and international listeners. Unfortunately, this does not apply to you, but you should get this product and you can contact Howard Hitt, aka Big H, directly by going to the Blue Cobra CBD website, bluecobracbd.com, and looking for his phone number there. You can contact him by phone or you can email them directly to determine your country's laws and how they correlate with this CBD product that has zero THC. So it's available for everyone of all ages. Anyone can experience this incredible product, bluecobracbd.com. And I do want to add that there is a 100% money back guarantee 
If you do not like the product for some reason, for some reason, you get all of your money back, including the shipping fee, and you can keep the product. Don't send it back. Give it to somebody else. It'll be beneficial for somebody else. For some reason, it doesn't work for you. And then they'll come back and ask you where you got it from. And then you can give them that discount code. So check it out, people. The highest quality CBD oil on the market. I did the filtering for you because there's so many products out there. I was in the CBD industry briefly working with distillate and isolate in January of what year was that? 2019. And a lot of 2018. So I'm very familiar with the CBD cannabis hemp industry. So I wouldn't be making these claims if they weren't accurate. Bluecobracbd.com. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow us there. Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, Click that button that connects us so you know when the next episode is going to drop or whatever exciting information we choose to share in that way, you'll know about it instantly. And the most important thing, of course, is to tell a friend, tell someone that you know that would love to know about Gnosticism and the true story of Jesus, which is what we're going to talk about. It's going to be so amazing. Tell those people, tell them about this podcast midnightonearth.com. Well, man, like again, I just, I'm, I read Jacqueline's book over the last uh, two or three days, the Gnostic mysteries. And it's so amazing. I can't wait to talk to her about it, but first we have to read her bio. Here we go. Jacqueline small is an author and pioneer in psychological and spiritual approaches to mental health and addiction treatment. She integrates ideas from Western mysticism, Jungian thought, the ancient mystery traditions, Gnosticism, and 12-step work to create a path-breaking synthesis that aids in healing family dysfunctions and spiritual crises. She is the former director of training for the Texas Commission on Alcoholism and has reached thousands through the workshops and lectures she conducts through the United States and Canada. As Deepak Chopra says of Jacqueline, her aim is not just to knock down the prison walls, but to fly over them. And she's here today to discuss her book, The Gnostic Mysteries, and so much more. Jacqueline, hello. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, you're an incredible yeah. author. You're so prolific and and your book is just really profound. We talked a little bit before the interview, but I just want to say really quick that this is probably the greatest book ever written on the history of Gnosticism and Gnosticism in general. It, it's an incredible piece of literature, and, and I urge everyone that's interested in these subjects to check it out. I just want to commend you on this fantastic work that, that will stand through the ages. Oh, thank you so much. So what inspired you to write this book, I guess? Where, where did this focus on Gnosticism come for you? About 15 years ago, I was conducting a workshop with a Jungian analyst, a woman who had studied with Dr. Carl Jung's main teachers. 
And when she finished working with me, she sent me a copy of her book, and she endorsed it, saying, to Jacqueline, a true Gnostic. And I didn't know what that meant. I thought, I'm a true Gnostic? (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Wow. So I started looking up, you know, what the word Gnosticism and Gnostic meant, and I realized, yes, I am one. Uh, It's part of my heritage, and it really awakened me all the way back to some what I think of as past life recalls of having studied with Jesus, and either that or it's my imagination. I don't really know, but I know that it gave me a feeling that I had a sense of who Jesus was and what he really came here to teach us, which was to remind us that we're spiritual beings learning to be human. So this was just 15 years ago. I mean, you've had a pretty amazing career, but 15 years ago, you really focused on this Gnostic Yeah, because before that, I, I was a, more like a psychotherapist, and I was working with a lot of people, you know, who had issues. And I was learning a lot about human nature from my clients. Yeah. So what is a Gnostic for someone that's never really heard the term before? A Gnostic, the word Gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, means to know. So they were considered knowers. You know how sometimes if you're with a group of people uh, and you hear other people share things about themselves, you realize that there are some people in the group that are wise? Yes. That just have a wisdom, you know, that goes beyond just what they've come there to talk about. Right. Like a presence, a deeper presence. Uh, it's, a, it's a deeper presence, and it's kind of like a knowing, a yes. knowing about life, and, and kind of also an acceptance of what life is. You know, not that it's just a wonderful, lovely place to always live, that it's also sometimes terrifying and has a lot of um, requirements to have courage and to have faith. And it's knowing all of that. It's a willingness to accept all of that. That's who the Gnostics were. They were people who knew about life. And they weren't trying to make themselves leaders of other people, but they just were. You know how sometimes, you know how when you're around somebody that has wisdom, you seek their wisdom. You want them to tell you things. Um, to right. help make you more wise. Uh-huh. And that's who they were. So do they show up in other religions or does Gnosticism just show up in Christianity? Gnosticism is it everywhere. It's the people who know. And so, of course, that would be in Buddhism and Hinduism and anywhere, any kind of religion that a person is following. There would be people who know and others who are just trying to learn. Right. So the book, though, did kind of focus in on the Christian Gnostics. Uh, it, focuses the, in, it focuses in on the original followers of Jesus. Yeah. So they were people who were part of that bigger pool of people who knew, but they uh-huh. also were attracted to and participated in the Jesus traditions and what Jesus taught and the things. Right. They recognized, they recognized Jesus. Um, as a spiritual being who had come here to remind us who we are. And he was reminding us by being it. He, he was being it. He was being who he was. And he was telling all of us to do that. Be who you are. 
remember who you are. You're divine beings who come here to earth to experience the human condition so you can spiritualize it. Right, because we are in some sort of, like in your book, you said a transformational transmutation type time for all of us, for the collective, correct? Right. And what's happened to human nature, as you well know, is we've gotten so caught up in our conflicts and our ego, you know, investments that we've forgotten. Most people don't go around remembering, you know, that they're divine beings who've come here with a spiritual mission, you know, to help uh, awaken humanity. Right. And, you know, it's really interesting because that concept shows up in different places where uh, different schools of New Age thought kind of all have this underlying mission of just kind of coming here to Earth, to this dimension to help humanity wake up and activate uh-huh. higher levels of consciousness. And so uh-huh. for, for Gnostic Christians, this was the Christ consciousness that we were merging that we were reactivating or really just getting back in touch with. Absolutely. And just imagine what our world would be like if everybody remembered and lived that way. So Gnostic Christianity was the original Christianity. Is that true? Well, I don't think so. I think that even back at Pla- in Plato's time, there was a form of Christianity that was beginning to occur. But I think Gnost- the Gnostics are the one that kind of brought it forward in a way that people could really relate to it and see that they could be it, that it wasn't just an ideology that they memorized and talked about, but that it was something they entered into and became. Right. So when did they show up first for Christianity? When did Gnosticism and Christianity kind of merge at first? Well, interestingly, nobody knows where Gnosticism began. Uh, Historians have tried to find the very first time it ever appeared they did find that Plato used a word called Gnostico, G-N-O-S-T-I-K-O, describing a certain kind of person that was sort of a knower. So they know that Plato had the idea of it, and they're not sure where he got it. You know, so we, we've kind of lost the thread of where it, it originally began. So when did it first start to merge with Christian thinking? When Jesus was here on the planet. So he was, oh, obviously, it seems like Jesus was a Gnostic in the sense that. Well, yeah, that's what the Gnostics say. The Gnostics say that Jesus was the first true Gnostic. Ah, okay, that's what it feels like. Well, you know, he, he was the one that began speaking it and telling us all that we are it. Right. But of course, there were other people, like you pointed out in your book throughout history, that kind of had a similar message and a similar role yes yes and you did a great like in buddhism in buddhism you become the buddha you know you become you you attain buddha consciousness yeah and christ consciousness and buddha nature are like identical really it's just one is more for eastern thought and one, one is more for western thought and i've heard krishna consciousness as well as being the same and krishna yes absolutely the, the hindu god 
So, yeah. so then how does Gnostic Christianity differ from traditional Christianity? Well, in a, quite a, in bit, a general actually. sense, and just in a general sense, I'm sure we could probably do a whole well, episode in a general on that. sense. <laughs> what, what the difference is the Gnostics taught that all of us are capable of God nature. And the Christians said that you had to follow them and become a member of their club in order to be saved. But the Gnostics are definitely saying something different. They're saying, yeah, they're saying all of us have the right to access God on our own. You know, we don't we don't need a Christian. We don't need a Christian church to take us there. We don't need any kind of church to take us there. We don't need any external authority to take us there. Right, right. So, I mean, the, the first signs, though, I would say, in Christian culture of of Gnostic Christians kind of having a following and and sharing teachings, when, when did that develop? Well, when Jesus came, uh, it started happening that the followers that had been sitting at his feet and listening to him teach were the Gnostics that people began knowing about. Because there are also forms of Gnosticism that I don't want to get into that got very dramatically um, judgmental and just way off. And it wasn't ever true Gnosticism, but it was people that called themselves Gnostics. And when you study the literature on Gnosticism, you're going to come into, you'll, you'll run into a lot of that. So there's a different strain of Gnosticism that's not authentic, that's kind of teaching a, that's more, right. a more negative viewpoint. It's judgmental and it's harsh. Really? How, do you, distinct, how uh-huh. do you distinguish it? If you're a person that's searching for knowledge on Gnosticism, how, how do you distinguish between the two strains? Well, you can tell by reading about it from any author that some are knowers who are coming from love and acceptance of the human condition and a recognition that all of us are divine. And there are others that are kind of preaching at you and telling you have to, you have to join their church in order to be saved. Right. And that's why kind of you would say Gnosticism was almost stamped out throughout history because the, oh, yeah. the power, the, the Christianity, the version of Christianity that wanted power over other people, they didn't want that personal knowledge, that inner Christ to be accessed. They wanted that knowledge lost and they wanted to be control, be in control, the mediator of that energy. Absolutely. Because, you know, if each one of us can know God on our own and can have a relationship to God on our own, how does the church draw members? <laughs> you know, people right. don't feel like they need the church. And they're definitely not giving reason. up any money to the church, right? <laughs> uh-huh, right, and they're certainly not giving money to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, unfortunately, the church has that kind of political side to it. And, and and you don't blame them for that. Of course they want people to join. I, I don't feel blaming about that. Yeah, but it does have a strange business-like overtone when dealing with something incredibly spiritual that should be accessed by, by all humans. Because like you said in your book, the early Christians did not see Jesus as the only divine son of God. That's right. They saw themselves right. as all potential. He was a son of God. <laughs> right. That we could all ascend to, man, woman, any human being that wanted to access that information. 
could ascend to that level. But what are what are some of the ways to to access that information? I think most people have to have some kind of a spiritual experience, like a crisis of some kind. Okay. Like um, there's a story of a of a woman whose little four-year-old child had fallen behind a car that was rolling backwards and was going to run over her. And she ran over and literally picked up the car. Whoa. You know, and it just shows that human human beings have divinity in them if it's called for. You know, they're, they're beyond just being a little ego personality. Right. So what is that light, though? I mean, it truly is a piece of God, a fra- I guess it's indivisible, but some sort of, we're, we're some sort of container for that divine light. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a recognition that Gnosis brings us, which, which of course means to know that we've come here um, to learn to be human, that we already are spiritual. It's human. We're learning how to be. And unfortunately, a lot of our spiritual paths have taught us the opposite, that we're human beings trying to learn how to be spiritual. We already are spiritual. That's our nature. And they tell us that we're also born of sin, which is also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that way they have power over us because in order to be saved, we have to join them. Otherwise, we're going to burn in hell forever. Truly. Well, I liked what you said. Uh, you quoted a student in your book that talked about how every religion had a conflicting version of what was heaven and hell. So that means everybody just goes to hell. And that's Not right. The, <laughs> I thought that right. was so funny in your book. But uh-huh. I mean, <sighs> there is a role, though, right, for the people that are Gnostic, for the people that are attracted to wanting to know more. I mean, there isn't overall mission of the Gnostics, wouldn't you say, to manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth? Absolutely. That, that's part that's of the mission. Come, that's what they've come here to do mm-hmm. and it, to be. But what happens is you enter into the human kingdom and you get caught up in the ego persona. Because it's so and tempting. you know, it's true. I mean, I do. I get caught up every day in something. Yeah, I mean, if I think if we realize as humans how much we get caught up in and how far away <laughs> we are from Absolutely. that divine point. We'd be kind of shocked. And, and it's, <laughs> it is part of human yeah. nature though, right? To like uh-huh. kind of exist. The ego does have a place, have a purpose. A but, purpose. Absolutely. But there are forces that are utilizing our ego to make us purchase more products to gratify ourselves more Absolutely. in order. To, uh-huh. And that pulls us away from the spiritual. Uh-huh, about gratification, ego gratification. Yeah. I'm the best. I have the most. I have the best, you know. I have the prettiest car. I wear the prettiest clothes. All that kind of bullshit that we get into. Oh, man. It is bullshit. I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. Oh, God. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awful because it really just, it creates us this separation. It, it, you know, it, uh, it creates it, separation. We don't see Absolutely. the light. We stop seeing the light in each other, which is uh-huh. manifest as human as, as we are, but that light is equal. Like it has all And the we even do it. Yeah, we, we do it person to person and we do it. We do that separatism nation to nation. Uh, that's absolutely true. And it's what causes wars, you know, and death. And it's really bad. <laughs> 
we we have to learn. We need to learn that we're all sons and daughters of God, and we're really all connected. That's the absolute truth. I mean, that is the that new, is the truth. That's the new earth that we're going into. I think it feels I think that so way. Too. Where mm-hmm. we we enter into this world where we're all aware of that and we're all in love yeah. with each other. The love frequency absolutely is amplified. But but how do we manifest that? What are some of the things that we can do to manifest the kingdom of? Well, we're doing it. The Gnostics are doing it. Yes. And there are a lot of spiritual paths that are doing it. A lot of them that are very true to form and really doing a beautiful job. But then there's also, as you well know, the ego that gets invested in being the leader, let's say the leader of a spiritual path. Uh, and it, and it can get off putting and go off into some kind of an ego place, man, the ego boy, does it mess us up sometimes, huh? Yeah. And the thing <laughs> is, if we can, if, if we can learn to love our ego and accept it for what it is, we can stay in touch with it and also be the boss of it <laughs> right. rather than it being our boss. Uh-huh. You could use it as a tool. Yeah. And use it as a tool. You're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so in Gnostic Christianity, there is no Satan devil figure, but there is a demiurge and kind of this force. So with that in place and with us knowing that, what are the forces that are there that are trying to stifle humanity's spiritual growth? Like who, what? Why? who is keeping us in materialism what is keeping us from expanding into our into our higher selves like why would people want to keep us suppressed and I, it seems like it's beyond money well it's always ego it's it's ego you know it isn't just the ego personality that's involved sometimes whole nations have an ego you right. know or different groups of people that call themselves something that they're connected to. I mean, even Gnosticism has to be careful to not play like it's the only divine way of becoming enlightened. You know, it's it's just real easy to fall into um, ego traps. But do you think there's something behind ego? Like ego seems like almost like a force of, nature, at least force of human mind, but are there other external forces like other beings perhaps, or some sort of entities that maybe want humanity to be harmed that don't want us to evolve past a certain point? Well, I think that there are spiritual paths that teach that. Yeah. But what, what do you think? I'm not really familiar with a lot of the spiritual paths that do that. But yes, there are definitely, I think, quite a few spiritual paths that talk about having a devil-type person, you know, a devil-type being that causes us to go down instead of up. Yeah, well, it just seems like there is a force that's pushing us down, like you just said, as we're going up. But what force would want us to go down? You're saying ego, but is it really just that? Is it the ego of of what? The, the- well, I, d- I don't know if there are actual evil entities that are trying to destroy us there might be mm, i'm just not i'm not familiar with you know all of that and gnosticism doesn't the teach Gnostics that don't don't give that much energy 
Really? You know, they they talk about more about us learning to get to know our persona, which is our ego personality, and making sure that our ego personality serves the good of life rather than getting caught up in some kind of negativity or some kind of selfishness. Yeah, exactly. You know, and 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 they they teach us to be to 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 remind us that we have a watcher self. We have a self that kind of stays above it all, that can look down on what we're doing, and guide us, or stop us from going in the wrong direction sometimes, and just going ah uh-uh, ah uh-uh, not that. Really. You know? Uh, yeah, and we do. We have a watcher self. You do. I do. We all do. Right. It was. It's. It's beyond intuition. It's truly our higher self. It's our higher. What we think of as our higher self. <laughs> but it does communicate through things like intuition and uh, other uh-huh. feelings like that. So, would you say uh-huh. this is the way of ecclesia? Is is this similar to that? Is this what? We're well, t- I think so. I think that might be what that means. It's like it's like a way of getting beyond ego. And seeing where the ego serves the purpose or where it starts getting in the way. Right. Because the ego does have a job to do here in the world, which is we all kind of relate to each other through our ego nature. And we learn how to be friendly and kind and do good and stop ourselves if we start going in the wrong direction and all of that. In other words, we're teaching humanity how to become spiritual. Or actually, I think it's truer to say we're reminding spirituality that they are spiritual. Right, because we seem to be in a coma, a spiritual coma right we, uh, now. We're in some kind, we've gotten down here into the world and gotten all caught up in it. Because the you know, pleasures... and, and, and we, we we'll go through times of you know fighting with our mother-in-law rather than remembering that there's a spiritual significance behind what's going on with our mother-in-law. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know the Gnostics are teaching us kind of a higher or wider way of knowing life. Do you think that? Jesus took this Gnostic knowledge and kind of unlocked it for people that maybe some of it was secret or taught in secret. And he brought things to the public uh-huh. that maybe was. And hidden. I think he came to the Western world, like the Buddha went to the Eastern world. Right. I think Jesus and the Buddha were brothers. Yeah. Could Jesus have been the reincarnated Buddha or is it some sort of remanifesting force? Well, uh, it, it's like the Buddha is more of an Eastern term and the Christ is more of a Western term, right. but it means the same thing, really. It, it's like the one that it's like the one that lives closest to God, you know? What are your thoughts about people that say that the essence of Jesus, the, the spirit of Jesus is, is actually extra dimensional or extraterrestrial, like a star seed, coming to earth from from an advanced civilization, an advanced dimension, and bringing this higher knowledge? Well, that's just one of the ways that people see it, which uh. can be fine, you know, because obviously we are part of a planetary system and we're part of a universal system. 
And so if you want to talk on those higher levels, you can do that. It's just that I think I think what's more helpful for people is to kind of get down with this information, kind of get down into the earthy part of it. And really integrate it into the self. Yeah, and where people are actually experiencing their lives. Right. You know, like um, if they're having fights with their mother-in-law, how do they get over it? You know, that's not a good way to live. And so you want to work on it. And so we have people that have therapies. We have people that have meditations. And humanity has tried and is always trying to help people become more enlightened. Yeah. And that's part of, like you said in your book, like we're moving towards the age of Aquarius. It's it's part of our new evolution of this new human. Much more so than it used to be, yeah. And it's becoming more accepted in the mainstream. More accepted. Uh-huh. And I think that's the key. In, in other words, more people are waking up. Interesting. Uh-huh. I think so. I, everybody doesn't agree with me about that. <laughs> some, some people think that, you know, we're just as bad off as we've always been. But I think there's an awakening process that's happening. Yes, I definitely think there's an awakening process. And with just knowledge, you think about knowledge that's been locked up for centuries and thousands of years now available at the touch of a button on the internet. You know, some of the ancient mystery school wisdoms. I mean, you can look at the actual Dead Sea Scrolls online Uh and study them yourself, which is just, I know. I mean, it is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And I do want to point out that prior to the Dead Sea Scrolls being found, they didn't really have a lot of information about Gnostic Christianity. No, and certainly not anything written down. Yeah. It was all just from people's uh, arguments refuting it mostly. That's true. It was the church being against it. So it was taught as being heretical. Right. But then why didn't the churches uh, fight to stop the Dead Sea Scrolls from being released? Or did they? They did. They finally let the Dead Sea Scrolls come out. I I have written about that in my books, and I even quote the dates that it happened. I don't remember them offhand. Right. I remember it was 1945, but then it was like 30 years later. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh 30 or 35 years later, (laughs) the, the, the church finally came out and said, hey, everybody, here's the reality. You know, this here's the Dead Sea Scrolls, and here's anything that you want to know about your heritage. Yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing that they let that out, finally. Well, and a lot of the churches still to this day don't do it. I mean, there's there's a lot of fundamentalist churches that put all this down as heretical. Even though it's been proven and validated to be what it yeah. is, you know, from the, yeah. the Qumran community in the Essenes. Yeah you know, in that area. Yeah, the ego has not avoided <laughs> being in Christianity. <laughs> it's unfortunate because... Uh, unfortunate, uh-huh. You know, there are, certain, there are certain groups of Christians that say you have to join our church or you're going to burn in hell, you know. It's really sad. In fact, I was raised in a fundamentalist Baptist church that did teach that. And I remember telling my best girlfriend one day, very sadly, that I was so sorry that she was going to burn in hell because she was a Methodist. (laughs) (laughs) 
literally both Christians, but like just uh-huh. a, just a uh-huh. little bit but different. But she was a Methodist, so she oh, was going to burn God. in hell. And I remember she slapped me on the leg. <laughs> She's like, I'm not told me to get over it, that that wasn't at all true. <laughs> we were about 11 years old. <laughs> Gnostic Christians do not believe in the traditional hell scenario. They don't believe that you die and burn in hell for eternity no. in a lake of fire. No, that, that's no. In fact, they teach where that information came from, and it actually didn't even come from religion. It came from some kind of cultism that was more people that believed in fairies and gnomes. <laughs> so some pagan religion uh, uh-huh. practices was, uh-huh. integrated into that. It was some kind of pagan belief. Uh-huh. Oh my God. It's good. Before that, I mean, they, like you said, they believed in reincarnation even up until uh, like the year 600 or something. Yeah. That's right. That was a big part of Christianity. I mean, I learned so much from your book. It's my book. I thought I knew a lot. <laughs> if you think about the church as an industry, it, it can't allow reincarnation. You've got to get saved this lifetime, and you have to do that by joining them and paying them money. <laughs> right. Well, I've heard if you, the more you pay, the better seat you get in heaven. Is that true? Yeah, right. And the thing is, I don't really want to put down the church like that. No, because they do have a place. They have a place. Absolutely. You know, you think about somebody who's new in town who doesn't know anyone and they can go to a church service and they can have coffee afterward with a bunch of people and people are kind. Yes. And helpful. Yes. They do tap into the Christian spirit. And we don't want to lose that. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to lose that at all. I mean, we it, they do tap into a Christ-like, a Christian spirit. You yeah, know, when, absolutely. When they're at these things, yeah. it's just the dogma and the ostracization. That's really the issue. I mean, Christianity as a religion and, uh, you know, as a whole isn't exactly super flawed. There's just a few things that, you're, you know, uh-huh. could be changed to be more in sync with Jesus's original teachings, I think. Right. And, and in Gnosticism, there's a form of it that's just very dark, judgmental. You know, if you don't join us, you're burning in hell forever. Yeah, don't and, don't you know, go think, to that Gnosticism. Every, don't you think every religion has that dark side? Yes. I mean, you look at every religion and they... They have that dark side. Yeah, the extreme fundamentalists. That, it's extreme uh, fundamentalists. Uh-huh. And they're, they're willing to... They feel justified in whatever behaviors to follow through with their belief structure. It's very strange. Yeah, it's ruled by ego rather than ruled by yes. the soul. Yeah. Man, it just keeps coming up. Ego, holy cow. Uh-huh. Well, the ego the ego knows how to justify itself. And, and that isn't always bad, but it can get very bad. Right, especially when you infuse it with divinity. Uh-huh, exactly. Or at least the yeah. rationalization that you feel like uh-huh. you're backed by divinity, right? And ego, uh-huh. yeah. b- believing it's backed by divinity is uh-huh. not, not a good thing. Yeah. But Jesus wasn't like that. I mean, especially the original Jesus. I, I like how you pointed out in your book that there's so many mistranslations in the Bible. You, you pointed out a couple of the big ones, but just in uh-huh. general, um, there were several mistranslations and then some of the books may not actually be written by the disciples they may be actually written by other people later there's no actual true verification 
of the history That's of these books, true. but but uh-huh. the Dead Sea Scrolls the are the oldest versions of those books that we have. Uh-huh. And some of them are markedly and different. You can read a book by um by Peter Gandhi uh, and uh, uh, Anthony Freaky, F-R-E-K-E, called The Laughing Jesus, that will give you that story. Really? Of how all that happened. It's a real good book to read. So the Gnostics do kind of fill in the blanks for Jesus uh, between the ages of I believe it was like eight and 30 when there's like a big 18 and 30, 18 and 30. Yes. Where there's a big yeah. missing chunk of time, but they, they do kind of fill in the gaps with that. What did they tell us about that time? They tell us that during that period, Jesus went to Egypt and studied with studied the ancient wisdom with masters. So he went to the Egyptian mystery schools. Uh-huh. The Egyptian mystery schools. Mm-hmm. And then, what do you think he gained from that experience? Do you think he, he gained the same information that Moses gained as a initiate of the mystery schools? Do you think he was right there with Moses as far as like uh, his role in things? Yeah, I think that he recognized he was here to serve humanity by reminding us of who we are. I think he was given more of a, a feeling of authority to do that. And are are you a person, do you believe, do the Gnostics believe that the miracles of Jesus were real? Did he do the, 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 uh, raising Lazarus from the dead and the various miracles that he performed in the Bible? I thought a lot of that they felt was symbolic wisdom rather than physical wisdom. So they don't believe literally the events happened, but they were more of an allegory, kind of a story. Yeah, they, they happened in the mind in a way that could be for real. Uh, it, it, it wasn't that Jesus really went around raising people from the dead, but it's like he knew how to wake people up. Uh, or at least give, give, them, give them the opportunity to wake up. So, okay, we can look at that. And that's kind of an interesting example because here is a hidden esoteric Gnostic mystery hidden in a basic story. So we've all heard the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And that's one of the miracles performed by Jesus. But what you're saying, the Gnostic perspective is that the resurrection takes place in the mind because Jesus awakens what was dead. He awakened Lazarus. Uh-huh. Yeah. He awakened what was dead into something that was living that's and right. living in Christ. So there's actually that's a hidden right. esoteric meaning in that. Uh-huh. That would be the Gnostic belief. <sighs> Mind-blowing. Yeah. Gnostics weren't running around the world trying to make people believe in miracles. That, that wasn't at all where they came from. They were trying to help us believe in just the, the, that, the, uh, that the ordinariness of being human was very divine. Right. In other words, become fully human was what the Gnostics said. Become fully human. That's what we came here to do. And by becoming fully human, you fully integrate your spiritual nature. Well, yes. And also, you, if everybody were to become fully human and, and yet not forget that they're from a divine essence, we would transform the world. Well, I mean, that would truly be a heaven on earth, wouldn't you say? It would be a heaven on earth. And I think that's possible. I know that's possible. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it makes we may sense. still be a long way from it, but I think it's possible. Yeah. You know, I've talked about this with other guests and other guests have said it could happen within the next 100 years. It, uh-huh. it feels like it could happen soon. Like we, it makes sense because the light that's within us is the entirety of the divine. So if, if we can, with our conscious mind, subdue our ego and tap into that inner light, we can manifest things, all the things that the divine is capable of. Essentially the sky's the limit. Like whatever our mind can conceive and believe we can achieve. Absolutely. And and we have like the computer world and the internet and everything to help us with that. Yes. The people say that the, the te- technology the t- is helping us with that. Yeah. The people say this technology is evil, but it's. But- oh, no. I mean, I know. I know. And that's just not true. I mean, you can certainly misuse it. But my God, you can re- misuse any kind of spirituality, too. I mean, yeah, you can misuse water. If you drink too much of it, you die. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's true. You know, and the thing is, is that people say it's evil because it's corrupting us, but it did come from inspiration. So it is a tool. It's just like you said, it's how you use it. It's how it's implemented in the long term that determines its its effect, I would say. Yeah, and also sometimes in the human world, we do have to enter into the shadow side of it in order to know it. Right. So we have to, you know, we may have to live out a shadowy uh, experience in order to get it. So you're saying we could be going through a tough time, time of turbulence. Dr. Dr. Carl Jung did a lot of teaching about that. In order to that attain that next That level. we have to enter into the shadow and literally become it in order to heal it. Otherwise, we're just always above it, and we don't really even know it that well. And we can't ascend to the next place until it's dealt with. Right. And that's part of what we were talking about earlier, ascending to the next level. Is this what the Gnostics are talking about when they're talking about the fifth kingdom in nature? Well, the Gnostics believed that if we all could remember who we are, you know, that we're spiritual beings learning to be human and that we chose to come to the human kingdom in order to know it by being it. They, they felt like if people knew that, that it would naturally move us into a place where we were all living as brother and sister souls together uh, on a beautiful planet that we could take part in and really enjoy being here. So when we hit that level of consciousness, then that would be the fifth kingdom in nature. Yes, and it would Uh, end all wars and all need uh, to be better than someone else or fight with things, people, and it would just be wonderful, a wonderful way to live. And there's a word for it. I think it's pleroma. Is that correct? Living in the pleroma. P-L-E-R-O-M-A. The pleroma. And that's what that is. Yeah, it's a level of consciousness where we all live in our soul nature as opposed to our ego personality nature. Wow. And and that's originally what Jesus was teaching. And that is the true original teachings of Jesus, right? Absolutely. He was trying to remind us that that's, it's not who we have to become, it's who we are. We, we already are it. We just have to be it. <laughs> and how long would you say this has been buried? This has been buried for a quite some 1600 time. 1,600 years oh is what the, the teachings around it say. 
that we lost it back there 1,600 years ago when uh, the church took over the teachings of Jesus and had the ulterior motive of wanting everybody to join the church. And they just buried it. And I remember in your book, you talked about how there was kind of three clusters of thought, three schools of thought, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. Uh-huh. And then, but they don't talk about the Essenes anymore. No. And that's where that information originally was that got suppressed yeah, by the later and, church. Yeah. See, the problem is the church couldn't deal with these teachings that were saying we can find God on our own. Right. We were talking about that would limit the capacity and also the revenue. So they had to bury that. Yeah, because why would you need to join the church if you can find God on your own? Oh, man, it's just it's it's disappointing that human nature would allow something like that to exist. It almost seems like it exists to have an external parental figure for people that need that almost. Well, and I think maybe a lot of people do need that or used to. I don't think that's so true anymore. I think in the modern day world, there are more people who are waking up and learning to kind of be without having to have so much external uh, indoctrination. Yeah, it was a but, lot. You know, it was a lot wilder back then. You know, people were. Yeah, more, and and people raw. were really seeking some way to have a, an authority. They still wanted a god or a daddy. You know. <laughs> And, and I mean, it's just true, I think. Well, speaking of uh, wanting a daddy, do you believe or do Gnostics believe that Jesus had children? The Merovingian bloodline, is that real? That comes down through some of the Gnostic teachings. So do you believe and that I, that's accurate? I have, no way, I have no way of knowing, you know, whether that's real or not. But that certainly has come down. You know, they've made him, they've made Jesus into a real person. Right. Who had a, a real life, you know, as a father and a husband. And uh, do the did Gnostics believe that Jesus was a carpenter, or was that also just added to the story? They, they believed he was a carpenter, and um, yeah, and that he had an ordinary life, you know, as a, a husband and a father. Well, here's something I really want to know. How good was his furniture? I mean, you would think if it's made by Jesus, it should still be out there, right? Somebody's got a really wicked end table that was actually made by Jesus in his carpenter years. <laughs> where, all, where, where is all this furniture? I want some. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, oh God, I don't know, maybe he wasn't that good a carpenter. Maybe he's like, ah, hey, you know what? This, this mirror isn't even straight. I quit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that we have any way of ever knowing. That, for sure. that would be really interesting if some artifact were uh, unearthed that was actually created. You know, we joke around, uh -huh. but seriously, it would be really interesting yeah. to to, <laughs> to see if there was some artifact unearthed from the carpentry of Jesus. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Um, he activated himself. He became well, and, and Jesus being a carpenter, you know, who built things that Ooh. may have all been symbolic. Oh man, Jacqueline, your knowledge is just immense. It's uh -huh. I, I, I never looked at it that way, but of course uh -huh. there is the esoteric hidden meaning is in those things. But uh -huh. you would say though that Jesus was a human who activated himself, who found the knowledge, tapped into the knowledge, did the work on himself, 
and became that thing, that, that union of human and divine. Would you say that that's correct? Yes, and he, he was the first one, uh, apparently, according to the Gnostics, he was the first one of us who realized he was a divine son of God. Just based on his own personal journey. Yeah, just 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 his himself that he actually realized it. He made it real. He lived it. Oh, whoa! That's so. And that's, that's what he really was telling important. all of us to do. And that's a, and to be. And that's a little different from what traditional Christianity is saying. The Jesus message is literally. They will tell you that it's important to believe that he died on the cross. Like if you don't believe he died on the cross and you can't be a Christian and it doesn't even matter if he did or didn't, that's it's irrelevant to the teachings of loving each other and loving your neighbor and being uh-huh. your best self. Yeah. It's really interesting. Uh-huh. What other uh, misinterpretations have uh, modern Christianity portrayed about Jesus that, that Gnosticism kind of refutes or proves differently? Well, um, they they didn't teach us that the Gnostics taught that being being subjectively oriented toward the life of the soul that the Gnostics were very much about working on yourself, not about joining some church or becoming some part of a of an outer form of religion, and that that was a huge difference they had between Gnostic the the Gnostic way of knowing God and Jesus and the Christ, quote Christian unquote way of knowing Him, and you can see that that authentic Christianity before the Roman canonists adapted all of it um, to be the way they needed it to be. Um, that what really mattered was us understanding and knowing and living the fact that the self is divine. And not having a scapegoat for your actions, actually taking responsibility for your actions. There's no, there's, con- there's no scapegoat, right? There's no confessional booth to go. Uh, it's like, we're it. <laughs> we're it. And, and, and we either live it and be it or we don't. It's a beautiful way of looking at things because it, like we just said, it makes you take responsibility for yourself and also just embrace your own deeply personal relationship with the divine. Exactly. And that's yeah. the best relationship to have with that. Whatever that oh, mystery yeah. is, you don't want to assign the relationship to some mediators or other forces, church forces. Uh-huh, right. You don't want them to do the work for you. You don't even know if they're right. doing the work right. Don't subcontract out your spirituality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's kind of what religion is doing. But Gnosticism was really the truth of the matter. But are there... Mm-hmm. Gnostic churches now are there the Gnostic message? I mean, it's it's pretty out there, I would say. But are there now new Gnostic churches in the twenty first century? Well, uh, I th- I think that what's happening is uh, people are. We, for one thing, we have the internet now. People have a way of finding some of this religion and truth that we never were given. Right by our churches. You know, we're we're able to know more now than than we have before because of the avenues that technology has created for us. 
And so there's a waking up happening where people are relaxing kind of into what Christianity really is, rather than thinking you have to go out there and proselytize people and try to get them to join a church and all of that. Uh, it's it's a recognition that we are already divine. We don't have to try to become divine. We are divine. And we're learning how to live the human condition. We're not learning how to be spiritual. We already are spiritual. We're learning how to be human. What do you think, Jacqueline, of the uh, new online schools? Like there are uh, mystery schools. There are uh online Gnostic schools where you can learn this curriculum. Have you ever thought of doing something like that yourself where you create an online curriculum where people can learn these Gnostic traditions? Well, I've been asked to do that, and and I have some of my articles have been put online. Some of the things I've written about this have been put online. Have you ever thought about teaching other people yourself in a virtual format? Well, I... I don't really want to do that anymore. I've done it for 40 years. I've been a teacher for 40 years. Right. And I'm at the age and the stage in my life now where I'm finally getting to spend time with my family. Yeah. It's very you know, important I mean, to do I, that. That's a part of my life that got kind of left out for about 45 years while I was traveling all over the country, you know, giving talks and doing workshops and and then writing books and it's it's kind of like I feel like I've done my life's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if I were to die tomorrow, I wouldn't feel too unhappy about what I'm leaving behind. No, I think I your think, work is amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah, and I I think you know I don't know that I have that much more to add to it because I think I've really kind of done it. There is just a new trend of people taking their accumulated work and kind of doing these pre-recorded videos and then creating a uh-huh. curriculum yeah. online and then people sign up and, and they just watch the videos, you know, yeah. they just get yeah. unlocked access to the videos. It's a different uh-huh. way of doing things, but you know, something to think about. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I do get asked a lot to do that. Well, it would be amazing. And, and I just, I just think, Oh, do I really want to work that hard? <laughs> Well, it's just, you know, you're the way you disseminate information is so amazing. And, you know, in your books, your workshops are stellar, but you did do your life's work. Your, your books are still out there. There's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about, uh, okay. though, uh, related to Jesus and the Gnostic stories and the Gnostic gospels. One thing I want to ask you is, is there a text that you recommend that contains all the correct translations of all the Gnostic texts that has the right books, the gospel of Mary Magdalene, Thomas, you know, all these missing books. Is there one book that uh, collects them all correctly? I think people need to read the gospel of Thomas. Is there, is there an edition or a version? I, I think it's uh, by, by uh, F-R-E-K-E. Okay. Uh, I can't remember his first name. Uh-huh. Is it Peter Freaky or Anthony? Oh, yeah, yeah, Freaky. Yes, he's a, uh-huh. he's written a few books of, uh, on the subject. There's a book called The Jesus Papers by Michael Bagent, B-A-I-G-E-N-T. Okay. And he wrote a book called Holy Blood, Holy Grail. But does that contain the text? I'm, I'm looking for a book that actually contains all the, the Gnostic books in them in one book. Uh, I think the Gospel of Thomas does, doesn't it? Oh, it it? does. Oh, great. Oh, fantastic. 
Yeah, definitely have to look for that because there's there's so there there's so much information in those books. Uh-huh. Uh, and the book of Enoch, though, was not part of the Gnostic text, though it was. I a, don't think it was. It was uh-huh. a book that was omitted like the uh-huh. Gnostic books. Uh-huh. But what about the book of Revelation? Do you, do you, from a Gnostic perspective, is it a literal translation? Is it a literal situation? Or what are some I of think, the hidden meanings I there? I think they felt it was symbolic. It was a symbol, symbolic statement that, that came through the book of Revelation. So it could be relating to the end times of your own life. Like, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but do you see it reflected in the world at large? Because it seemed like every generation throughout history has felt like they were in the end times, including now, but it, it just seems like that's part of humans to always have this kind of dichotomy until we evolve to this higher frequency. It does seem that that's the truth, doesn't it? It um, does. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I never have really totally believed that we're at an end time. I think that we're still evolving. So the book itself, though, uh, it, it does it reflect the current situation in the world at all? Well, I, I haven't really studied the book of Revelation that much, so I'm not, I'm not really able to talk about it in a way that I think would help anybody. But is it included um, in the Gnostic perspective at all, at least in that uh, metaphorical sense? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that it seemed as metaphorical. Interesting. You know, another thing I was thinking about was when Jesus did the uh, secret nocturnal spiritual baptism. Like in traditional uh-huh. Christianity, you have the baptism of water, but they had a different uh, ritualistic spiritual baptism that was talked about, I believe, in the Gospel of Thomas. But I'm not sure about that, where they're, they die and they're, twice born or reborn could this be a psychedelic experience or did they figure out or did jesus know how to via the mystery schools know how to simulate the death experience so people actually did go into the post-life dimension to learn the true information what do you think about that well i think it was definitely like a psychedelic experience I, i think psychedelics take us to a place like that but what what they were using, or if they had to use anything, I don't know. I would imagine that they did use something. They they had something like peyote or something that would help open up the mind. We talked in our last episode uh, about how uh, some judo masters in ancient times would uh, initiate the highest members of their group by simulating the death experience in a way where they would stomp your heart and you would die. And then they knew how to restart a a person's heart. So you would come back with the knowledge of the afterlife Uh and not have a fear Uh of death. Do you think that that could be what Jesus did in that secret ritual? Maybe so. Gosh knows. I know. It really seems. It's a secret. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know, you know, how how it was performed. But I have no, I have no doubt that Jesus knew that things like that. Right. But intuitively, though, where are we going as humans now? We're in 2021. The Gnostic information's out there. There's all the most of, I guess, the mystery school information is available out there for people to find. Like, where uh-huh. are we going as humans? 
are we on course to enter the fifth kingdom in nature to achieve the marriage of humans with the divine, the human spirit with the divine spirit? I think we're headed in that direction. Uh, I think we have a lot of challenges still. Um, but I do, I do think that one of the things that's helping a lot is there's a lot more psychotherapy-type stuff that people are doing now where they're working on their shadow aspects and parts of themselves that live in doubt and live in fear and all of that is getting worked on more than it used to be. I've been noticing that trend. It's what ego, it's what, it's what uh, personality theorists call doing a lot of ego work is happening. And I think that Dr. Carl Jung was an amazing individual, a lot bigger in the spiritual world than we realize. Oh yeah. He made a massive that, impact for sure. Yeah. He was a master, uh, that, that incarnated here to bring us into that dimension of reality where we literally do work on ourselves. You know, we literally go to therapy. We really do talk to each other. We really do process things. That's all available now for people. And of course, everybody doesn't participate in it. I remember I was I was on an airplane trip recently, and this man was sitting next to me, and he noticed something I was reading, and he said, what in the world is that? And I said something about... I was learning how to know about um, uh, the self and how it was related to God. And he said something like, my God, why would anybody want to know that? (laughs) It was like he was just horrified at what I I was studying. He just thought it was ridiculous. It distracted his uh, consuming, I think. Yeah, and I I thought to myself (laughs) later, that's just a whole lot about how people feel about spirituality. They think it's kind of silly, you know, that people focus on things like that. It's really interesting because we've been programmed collectively to focus on material gain, to stay Uh bound in the third dimension, to not focus on spiritual things. It's like living in la-la land, you know. It's a dream. using it as a way to escape reality or something. It's it's a dream. Like, they're living in a dream. We're actually living in reality, which is the uh, most surreal aspect, I could say. And I know Dr. Stan Groff that I studied with so much and loved so much, he... um, always taught that um, people don't, quote, get spiritual, unquote, until they're in some kind of a crisis. <laughs> you know, you, you almost have to have a near-death experience before, you know, you you have a spiritual awakening. Yes, we uh, love Stanislav Grover. And he, he just thought that was one of the things that, that he, that was one of the reasons he believed in psychedelics. Yes, we're actually uh, trying to get him on the show, actually. Uh, believe it or oh, not. Oh, wonderful. He, he's still oh, here. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it does like have that Jungian uh, perspective, that gift that you said that Jungian brought to this dimension, uh-huh. just uh, being able to analyze yourself from the outside, to go to yes, your true exactly. self and, and, and look into where we're at. There's a lot of uh, advancement in the use of psychedelics in psychotherapy right now. It's, it's actually that's true. That's very true. There's been a watershed actually of uh, uh-huh. new research and new freedoms gained uh-huh. in that world. Yeah. And inner work is becoming something that's more well known now. 
yes. that people can do inner work. And what happens when they do the shadow work and then they're successful? What do, you, what do they gain from that? Well, they get along better with the people that they live with. How does it help them personally, though? Do you think it helps them let go of past traumas? Past- oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. I think they live in a lot more peace. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they have as many issues. It's kind of like, um, I, know, I know I've worked on myself so much because I've been a teacher of this for, what, 45 years. And so I've been constantly around groups where I could work on myself. I had the opportunity to do that. And I know that where I am now in my life, if one of these kind of crises comes along with a person, let's say that, you know, some kind of an argument or some kind of disagreement with a person or something that has to be confronted, my mind kind of goes, oh, there's that one. You know, it's kind of like seeing it from a different point of view. Rather than getting emotionally attached. Uh Uh-huh. It's kind of like, okay, there's that one. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. You know, like let's say a jealousy towards somebody who's further along than you are, or uh, or some anger you have with a person who didn't agree with you, or whatever. You just kind of see it from a different point of view, and you don't have to really get all caught up in it. Right. You just and you're not really avoiding it. You just really don't have to work through it. There, there isn't anything really to work through. You've already seen through it. You've already gone through it. It is really important to do that work. And I did notice that it is really at the forefront right now because I think it is. Yeah. I think people are realizing that their other issues had deeper, deeper causes. You know, they're treating, they're treating psychological symptoms. There was a deeper layer there and that's where the shadow work comes into play. Well, and also in, in the parenting world, a lot of people are realizing that their teenagers who are moving toward their 20s, you know, they're 16, 17, 18 years old, that some of the experiences they get into that parents used to try to stop them from doing or punish them if they did, they're allowing their children to have more experiences because they've realized that's how they learn about life. Right. My God, if if you can't go out there and get caught up in stuff that you have to work through... How are you ever going to grow? A hundred percent. And then if you look back and realize that a lot of the structure comes from old paradigms based on that Christian dogma, not the Gnostic Mm -hmm. Christian, but that state created church, the dogma, the rules, all that that came from that was then follow the rules from an external authority. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then that was adapted into how we parented as how we parented. Yeah. You bet. And it's just, (laughs) we need to have Gnostic parenting. How about that? Well, and it's shifting. Uh, You know, parents are learning to kind of let go a little bit more. Right. And realize, you know, my kids have to experience things in order to grow. I can't do it all for them and expect them to become mature. You know. Exactly. And I, I do think that's happening a lot more than it used to. Well, that's, that's huge. I mean, I think that that's, uh, well, it's part of where we're moving into. It's part of that new world, like opening up. Yeah. To love, and to and another thing that I think is happening, uh, that, that, you know, certainly can have a dark side to it, but I think a lot of people are leaving relationships that are not functional. 
Yes, the toxic relationships. Toxic relationships and even just relationships that are dead. You know, just stuck. Where you're not growing anymore and, and you really don't even pay that much attention to each other anymore. In other words, there's no purpose really for being together anymore. It's over with. It's finished. Something finished. And I think nowadays people are more able to see when something has really finished and they're willing to move into the unknown rather than just stay there to feel secure. Yeah. And that again can be rooted back in that old dogma that said that you, if you got a divorce, you were a sinner and going to hell. You were sinning. That's right. <laughs> so you were stuck you were with someone hell, forever right, yeah. that you hated because you were going to burn uh-huh. in hell. It's, it's almost like, which yeah. is worse? Like, right. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> which is worse. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I just think, you know, that we're, we're we're moving forward and recognizing that life is both good and bad, you know, and that we can't always have joy and and being willing to just accept uh, in other words just being willing to be aware through all of it and stay conscious. Yes, and stay in that love frequency. Uh-huh. And that's why I've enjoyed being part of the consciousness movement. It's just this whole whole idea of learning to stay awake. Well, I think you've done amazing work because, I mean, it, like you said, you've been in this situation, you've been in this community for decades. You've watched it grow. Uh-huh. You've watched it blossom. You've watched these subjects yeah. go from obscure, barely talked about subjects to widely known, well-publicized subjects. It, it's It's got to be mind-blowing for you to see the evolution of spiritual subjects, personal development, all of that over the uh-huh. decades. Yeah. I've, I've just learned so much from the people I've worked with. Yeah. But, and, and, and the truth is that I've been willing. I've been willing to really enter into it. Like um, a lot of teachers feel like they can't really show themselves to their students. You know, they, they, they stay back behind a kind of a wall. Right. That keeps them from ever letting their students know about the issues they have. And one of the things that our work has done has said, hey, those of us who are teachers have to work on ourselves, too. And it kind of thins the veil and the roles and just kind of shows Uh us that we're all experiencing these same things. And it makes it okay for the teacher to process some of her, his or her stuff. Right rather than act like they've kind of grown beyond everything or are just perfect somehow, you know, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, uh, we're all humans. We're, we're all. That's right. Doing we're the all great human work. And we're all caught up in life and, and we all have issues. I've, I mean, I've never met anybody in life who doesn't have some kind of an issue. <laughs> I think those people are called robots. They're not actually uh-huh. people. Uh huh. But I got to ask you though, Jacqueline, this new world that we're coming into, that is the Gnostic second coming because people talk about the second coming of Jesus and, you know, he's going to ride in on this horse when yeah. the world's just about to really be in a dire situation. He's going to ride up yeah. in this horse and save the day. Right. And, uh, but that's not what the Gnostics believe because the Gnostics had the more real, actually more realistic, but re- truly more real interpretation Uh of the second coming yeah yeah it's more arising up and taking responsibility for oneself 
Um, but that second coming is from within. The second coming it's is... It's an inner... It's inner work, yeah. It is a, a, a inner realization, and then you apply that to the exterior world versus the exterior yes, exactly. world coming to save you. Yeah, you live it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been an amazing interview, Jacqueline. We've talked about so much stuff. We talked about so much more. I, I, we're definitely going to have you back. Your, okay. Your, Anytime. Yeah. Your, your book is absolutely amazing. I have to tell everyone to oh, go to Amazon. You. Go to Amazon. All right. Everyone, thank you. And go check out the Gnostic Mysteries. And you can also check out Jacqueline's other books in her legendary career. Yeah, because they're all about working on yourself. Yes, Awakening in Time, The Journey uh-huh. from Codependence to Co-Creation. That's a real good one. Uh, yeah. Embodying Spirit, Living Your Biggest Story. Yeah. Uh, sacred Purpose of Being Human. Yeah. Becoming Naturally Therapeutic. Listen to these titles. They're just absolutely amazing. Uh-huh. And you can yeah. find her, of course, at uh, JacquelineSmall.com. I'm going to spell that for you. It's J A C Q. U E L Y N S M A L L dot com. Jacqueline Small dot com. You can go there and it will take you to where these books are. Or you could just plug her name into a search engine and you can learn about these different things. If you're interested in Gnostic Christianity and just Gnosticism in general, the Gnostic Mysteries is my favorite book about Gnosticism that I've ever read. Of all the books oh, I've ever so read, good. and it's probably the greatest book on Gnosticism because it encompasses the entire spectrum of what Gnosticism is and also touches on what alchemy is and, and just gives you this vastly complete picture that's incredibly easy to read. In fact, it's captivating to where oh. it's it's a page turner, you know, where you, it's not many books, historical books, spiritual books that are actually ridiculously captivating to where you're just like, you can't put it down. That's what this book is. So I want, oh, thank you. <laughs> I want everyone to check it out. Um, oh. And Jacqueline, thank you for being on the show. I deeply appreciate it. Please hold on through the outro music and everyone will see you next week. All right. And don't forget to check out blue cobra, midnight on earth.